Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper Than Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. And today, we've got a big old chunk of scripture, Acts 6, 8 through 15, all of 7, and some of 8, the first three verses, which is none other than the stoning of Stephen. So that's exciting. Who Who's sitting with me today? Um, my name is Nicole. I am a pupil of the younger generation <laughs> so i'm just here to provide a pupil of you um well. it thanks. goes both ways nicole i think I'm, I'm just here to keep the vibes going speaking of people we I need good vibes i we learned something need this good vibes. past week i'm the personality hire that if i say hey can you record a podcast on sunday and then that person says i don't know yet it's on me to follow up and say, hey, we're actually recording the podcast yeah, on Sunday. it is. Thank it you. It is on me. So I'm sorry, Nicole. Yeah, so I wasn't last on last week's podcast because of a little miscommunication. Uh, but yeah, just okay. miscommunication. Okay. That's all. Sorry. It was not nearly as good. I know it wasn't. I know and it wasn't. So this is uh, Jesse's second time on the pod, first time with Nicole. So we got all kinds mm-hmm. of firsts today. Who are you, Jesse? <laughs> so My name is Jesse. I preached on Sunday, and it's a delight to be with you both. Same, same. Okay, so we're going to talk about the stoning of Stephen, Mm -hmm. but first we're going to play the theme song. Okay, so before we start this episode, um, you you began the sermon yesterday talking about your family Mm -hmm. and the arguments. Um, We will not talk about peeing on the seat argument, but I do want to talk about who is the best home run hitter for the Padres right now? I think officially right now it's Soto. But Soto? I think so. Really? Because he's so new, I think it's either him or Machado. But because of Tatis. the love that my kids have for Tatis, it almost doesn't matter what the numbers are. Right, they the just truth. love Tatis. The, that, that goes to show it's like the essence of somebody. I feel like Tatis yes. just lost all his street cred after last season. It's true. Yeah. Everybody hates Tatis now. He did well, too. not my kids. Mm-hmm. They still, yeah, they still love him. Have you well, told, somebody have needs you to talk this? to your kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you had to sit down and say, actually, he took drugs. Yes. <laughs> My kids know more about it than I do. <laughs> do they? They follow it all. I went to the game where they were giving out free Soto bobbleheads. Yes. And I got one. And they were like, oh, it's probably not going to be worth anything because he's not doing anything. So then I gave it to my little brother's best friend who loves baseball. And now he's doing really good. So I'm like, oh. Should have kept it. I don't right. know what I would have done with a bobblehead. So. Okay. <laughs> Apologies sure. to the non-baseball fans. Just mm. needed to get that out of there. Uh, okay. So, Jesse, <laughs> you, pre- you preached on not baseball, uh, but the stoning of Steven. So... Mm. Let's just kick it off. Why is Stephen, why does he get dragged in to the Sanhedrin to begin with? What is happening? Well, uh, Luke, who wrote Acts, loves Stephen. He pumps him up and he says he's filled with five things. And I'll see if I can remember them off the top of my head. Wisdom, grace, power, the Holy Spirit, and faith. Those are great qualities. That was five. You got them. Boom. And he is doing what he does. He's talking to people people about Jesus. And that's my assumption. Yeah. And then these Jews from a synagogue, what we do know is that Jews from a synagogue come and start debating with Stephen. And Stephen is so full of wisdom by the Holy Spirit, according to the passage, that they cannot like get anything on him. He just keeps knocking them down in the debate. And so they get upset and they start a smear campaign. Smear campaign. (laughs) What, 
Okay, my question is, do we have any idea of the timeline from how long since Jesus died and came back and then reascended to heaven and this? Because like, the, the Jewish leaders in the synagogue, they're like trying real hard to, to stop get it. this Jesus thing. It's like uh, Mean Girls. Like, don't make it's Jesus. It's totally like Mean Girls. I really, don't I'm excited Je- to hear that reference. Stop trying to get Jesus happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but they, they're like very adamant this Jesus movement needs to stop. Do we know how long they've they've been fighting against it? Is this like Mean Girls? You can't sit with us. (laughs) (laughs) I need to watch the movie. Uh, I don't know. I do know that this is the third time. Fetch happened. Okay, Nicole got it. it. Jesse did it because Jesse has boys. I have boys and a co- and a girl, but, but she's a, a growing girl. Apparently, I'm wholesome. So Hot I take. would. Mean <laughs> Girls is not a girls movie. It's a great movie. Anyway, how, uh, how uh, we know that fight? this is the third time someone has been arrested and is before like the court. So that's one way to maybe measure the timeline. I'm not specific. I don't, don't really know. We don't know. Don't Can know. you explain what smear is? Like a smear campaign. So they are um, going to other people. And telling them to lie about who Stephen is and or what Stephen has been saying about God and Moses. Mm. So they are smearing his kind of. They're creating false witnesses. They're ca- creating false witnesses. Okay. They couldn't win the debate, so they are saying, "Well, they got to attack his character." Exactly. Right. Okay. By te- by s- telling other people to say negative things about him, hmm. and wow. so they're kind of creating a a movement against him. Okay. And so remind us again, what is it that gets Stephen stoned? Like, what is the law that he gets convicted of when he's in front of the Sanhedrin? The temple and the law of Moses. Specifically, it's the, um, yeah, it's, it's basically those two things. Let's go with that. So he, just saying like the, the law of Moses is not good anymore or like that we're past it, that got him stoned? The passage specifically says that he was saying, Stephen is saying that Jesus was going to destroy the temple, okay. like tear it down. Yeah. That was the first one. Yeah. And the second one is that he's messing with their customs. Got it. Okay. So, um, here's the, I mean, I love the passage. Like there's a lot to glean. Here's the only spicy thing I got for sure. all of today. So once we get past this, it's sunshine and rainbows. No way. You only have one thing One to spicy. Say. One it's because sp- Jesse's here. I hope that you have spicy it's stuff. because Jesse's I love too spicy. wholesome for spicy. Yeah. No. Uh, Not at all. I went Nicole, after come him. on. Bring it on. I Let's do a- it. I went after him last, uh, last time he was on. Okay. So spicy thing. We hear the story of Stephen. We say, okay, there's two sides to take. You take the Sanhedrin side or you take the uh, apostles and Stephen's side. Everybody's going to join Stephen's side, right? So mm-hmm. my question is... Are we Stephen or are we the Sanhedrin? And if we are the Sanhedrin in small ways for Grace Church, for our listeners, are there things about our church that we're, we've got blind spots that maybe we're the Sanhedrin and we don't even know it? I think it is a very healthy activity process question to ask. Uh, whenever you see the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin, or the scribes, or the, you know, the lawyers, to, as a, as a religious person, to ask myself, how am I like them? So I think in general, it's a great question to ask, because I think we are more like them than we are often 
willing to admit or even acknowledge or have any idea that we are actually like them. I think where you yeah. see comfort is mm. where mm-hmm. you're like them more mm-hmm. than Stephen. Is like because I feel like they lashed out like this because they were comfortable in the old laws, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, the old covenant. Yeah. I mean, not explicitly, but in the elder meetings, when you're talking about these issues, or I don't know if you talk. Th- okay, put us behind the door. Do you, are you guys like having these theological debates all the time, or is it more just like the day to day operations of the church that you guys are when you have your elder meetings? What's on the docket? Like, okay, we're going to attack LGBTQ today and you're solving world nail hunger. that down. Right? <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? In my experience, a lot of the theological discussion and practical application happens more in the side conversations and the going on hikes or at each other's houses for dinner and stuff. Um, the meetings tend to be less exciting, more boring. Yeah. <laughs> more like, uh, finances and can we spend $400 on this jumpy for Halloween? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But the conversations are happening, but usually mm-hmm. less informally. So do you think Grace Church is Steven? Do you think we're, we're on the right track? Um, I think that I feel like if you say yes to that, then you're like the same Hadrian. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you can't. I loved is, your first answer. You gotta. Yeah. You can't answer that. And yours, Nicole. When you're comfortable, are you I think get when you're stagnant, you get yeah. comfortable. Nothing like you're like okay, we're actually doing great right now. We don't need to change anything. Yeah. When there's stuff going on every day that needs yeah. to be. Like, when you're swimming in the in the waters it's hard to see the water when you're mm-hmm. breathing the air. It's hard to see the air that you're breathing. Like when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to step back and really be ob- objective and honest about mm-hmm. the, your own kind of blind spots. And so I think maybe one example, cause I don't think ours are exactly the same as the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees or whatever, but we do it in different ways where we're hypocrites and not, we think we're being godly, but we're really not. Mm-hmm. And so one example I think in the Western church is individualism. We are hyper individualistic and don't want to be in community and don't want to submit to one another in community. So that's just one example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think another one is like in the evangelical church is uh, emphasis on the gospel as like salvation for me um, versus uh, um, it, fighting injustice and caring for like suffering in the world. Mm. I can go on and on, but those are a couple. I think also I can. Yeah, please go. Uh, so I think we could pick and choose the sins that we think are awful. And then sins that yeah. we kind of like, we tend to minimize and justify or, or sins that we don't personally struggle with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are hypocritical things or just, only taking a part of the gospel message, just ways mm-hmm. that we're like them. It's like, I mean, we'll go here. So I didn't have anything spicy. Let's go here. It's like the um, side A, side B church yeah. type thing yeah. where like if you, if you went to our uh, membership weekend, when we open it up for theological discussion, 100% of the time it was talking about, are we affirming of homosexuals in this church like mm-hmm. that just like dominated and also like women in the church and yeah mm-hmm. and women in yep. ministry the one that i went to women in ministry i don't even think came up it was all the lgbtq Did you go to the first one the second one oh, okay. i was at the second one um so yeah it's like do you know yeah. what side a and side b is you want to clarify for our listeners can you clarify for me yes i was wondering if you do yes uh side a is a church that interprets scripture that marriage 
um, can be between two people the same sex mm-hmm. um, and ordination and um, and then it's not a, yeah. it's sin God blesses it a side B church uh, believes that marriage is between a man and a woman mm. and nothing else and outside of that is sexual immorality yeah Okay. Yeah. I always remember at side A, A stands for affirming. That's yep. just how I get it. Mm. Totally. B then stands for nothing. The Ooh. metaphor false. And yeah. there's others. There's other positions as well, but mm-hmm. those are the two simple ones. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm not saying that we should be a side B church or that I believe, if, that I don't believe in the historical uh, viewpoint of marriage and sexuality, but I don't think there's ever been somebody not granted membership for getting a divorce or these there's these other sins and i know we could go back and forth and have this long discussion about this Mm -hmm. but i think the reason i bring it up in the sense of the sanhedrin and stephen is that we can place um emphasis on things that are easy for us to put emphasis on Mm -hmm. because they're not a problem in our in Mm -hmm. our hearts Mm -hmm. so let's not do that have any thoughts I agree. Like yeah. It's easier to diagnose something and that somebody else than yes. see it in yourself. I think sexuality is a great example of how we uh, give permission to ourselves or what, or in to others around s- certain areas of sexual brokenness mm-hmm. and then are disgusted by other uh, areas of sexual brokenness or sexual sexuality. Um, and we are deeply hypocritical yeah. about that topic in particular. So sure. I think it's, yeah, sure. Which is why I've spent four years studying yeah. and re- researching going? and writing on said yeah, tell, thing. Yeah. Explain that. Cause I don't think a lot of people at our church know what you're doing right now. Yeah. I'm currently writing a dissertation, um, called sexual divide building bridges, generational bridges for sexual minorities to flourish. Um, specifically at Grace Church. And the idea is that um, uh, baby boomers have been conditioned to, to uh, see sexu- sexual minorities very differently mm. than a Gen Z. Um, there's lots of factors that have conditioned them to, to view sexual minorities differently. For example, technology <laughs> is one, mm-hmm. uh, politics and religion and are just some others. And Exposure. so I'm... What's that? Yeah. So my my research is essentially like, what are the elements that have shaped the different generations? Those from boomers to Z, there's four in there. Um, And how can they, once you understand what has formed and shaped a person's story, who they are, it gives you empathy and compassion for why they are the way that they are. And so the ultimate goal is for young and old and people in the middle to understand each other so that um, we can have a greater, greater flourishing for as a church spiritual family Mm. with sexual minorities in them. And you're doing all this research while still holding to the traditional sexual ethic in the Bible. I am beautiful. Yeah. I think we need more of that. Good job, Jesse. Thank you. Awesome. Taking one for the team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Okay, cool. Spicy section over, uh, 16 minutes in. Let's keep talking about um, what what I think you landed on the rest of your uh, message about, and that was, actually, no, let's talk about, let's talk about the history of the, of the Jewish people, because mm-hmm. I think that was huge. What are the, Nicole, can I quiz you? Do you remember the four? Uh, patriarchs, the four people that Stephen talked about. Were you here Sunday? Yeah, I was. She's staring at me like, don't you make me Well, do this. I'm just like trying to remember. Or the four. Any of them. Yeah. Okay, Joseph? Yes. That was one. Moses? Nailed it. Two? Two. Abraham? Yep. Yep. Built the temple. 
I don't know. If I hadn't re-listened to the message right before this, I probably would have got three out of four too. No, no shade, Nicole. Um, 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 um. Solomon. Oh, dang it. That's all good. Solomon built the temple. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, uh, Stephen kind of uses these four men to do what? What is he trying to? He's telling the story of Israel to a bunch of Jewish uh, religious leaders and judges, and they're they're judges that are judging like the Levitical law, so it's different than the judges that we have today, or they're judging based on a, a religious system. Anyways, but the thing that he the the whole case he's trying to set up is that the temple has only existed for a short amount of time um, in lar- in light of the entire history of Israel. Um, and that God's presence is not confined to a temple. And he uses Isaiah to really nail it. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, God's, uh, his, the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool that God is not, his home is not made by men. Um, and so, and that's a response because they're accusing him of saying, of saying that the temple is going to be torn down. And so, uh, Stephen is trying to help them understand that God um, cannot be confined. boxed in, cannot be confined, that there's innovation and change that happens throughout the people of God following God. And there's just this is just another step in the change mm-hmm. that they're experiencing. Okay. So when I hear this, talk me off this ledge. Um, <laughs> God, and I know that I'm wrong. I, I I'm representing a, uh, a, a viewpoint that I can already poke holes in myself, but I will just do it for the podcast so we can talk about it. Uh, God was a certain way. He revealed himself in a certain way to a certain group of people, the Jewish people. And then Jesus comes and kind of everything changes a little bit. Like we got the dot and tittle not falling away. Like I know all that, but there's a new covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Who's to say? that the covenant that we're currently in is the last one. Should we be on the lookout for things to change again? What do you think, Nicole? I think, I think, no. Um, I feel like you're is, supposed wait, to is follow. is that a real noise there that you did? Like some oh, sort of no, TikTok it's just thing? me doing a ah, I think. It's because I was thinking about the SpongeBob. I had a friend once. Oh, but, so there was a reference, SpongeBob. Yeah, but okay. it was, anyways. Yes. I think that um, we should be, following this new covenant still until said otherwise just as they were following the old covenant mm-hmm. until jesus came mm-hmm. and you're just doing it until the lord comes and speaks to you comes down to earth and he will show himself and make himself known to us christians and also to the entire world yeah. and i don't think we should be like looking for mm. change until we're literally told to yep nailed it yes um I can't remember the theologian, but he talks about how God, there's a five act play um, and we are in the fourth act Okay, and that there will be a fifth act um, and we're in the kind of the church age in the fourth act, but there will be a fifth act and this gets into end times and eschatology and looking at the passages that are kind of prophetic in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yes, yeah, so that, there will be a change to our current um, new covenant 
Um, That'll be the kingdom coming in full, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus returns. That is a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, let's talk about uh, pre and post trip. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me see if I can put. Okay, five acts. Act four is the church. Uh Act three is Jesus. Act two is old covenant. Act one is before humanity. Something like that. Is that right? More or less. I feel like if you're also like if you're living right now and constantly looking for something new to follow, then that means you see error in what you're following now. True. there well, isn't error in well so, so I, think I think you're right I, I think, think there's error in some people's interpretation yes yeah but not, I'm in not the saying covenant. there's error in the Bible yeah no, no but I think that people read it errorfully I think one of the temptations <laughs> to avoid mistakenly that's a newer error <laughs> like we know what you mean so yeah. it's great yeah uh, yeah the temptation to be like well God is innovating and changing and so mm-hmm. he who's to say he's not innovating and changing now and like the things the things are, you know, like this is all ancient 2000 years ago. And so this doesn't like have any this relevance. Still relevant. Yeah. then God would have done something about it by now. Well, yep. I'm just saying there were churches that somehow used the Bible to promote slavery. Yep. And there are churches that said <laughs> no interracial marriages. Mm-hmm. And then there was churches that say women should not be able to vote. Like that kind of thing has been happening. So I'm not saying we should do away with act four and create our new act, but how do we, again, fight against being the Sanhedrin and be more like Stephen mm-hmm. to uh, interpret the Bible better. Yeah, my in the sermon, I say that the antidote to hypocrisy is authenticity and humbleness and teachability, some of those things. And so I truly do believe when it comes to how to interpret scripture, how to develop a, a proper systematic theology or whatever it is, which is just theology that makes sense in light of this system, trying to systematize God, uh, to come at it humbly, but honestly, but truthfully as well. And I think that will do wonders to not become like the Sanhedrin. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which we do not want to be. Okay. Uh, so Stephen gets stoned with rocks, not with marijuana. Mm. Uh, he dies. (laughs) I just had to make Thank you for clarifying. You I, I, that that wasn't joke. even a thought in my mind you until gotta you said it. You got to make that joke. Got to make it. That's um, It's California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal, man. Um, okay, so he gets... Jesse's like too wholesome for that he, joke. He gets killed. I know Jesse. I have passed. a story. I, know, <laughs> I have passed. a story. I've smoked more pot than most. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, here's the other question. Uh, and you covered this at the end with talking about martyrs. Mm-hmm. I take this story of Stephen getting stoned to my non-believer friend, or they ask me a question about it, and they're like, "God let him get what? What do you mean? What do you mean? He, why did he have to die? He's doing he's doing what's right. God lets him get killed." doesn't save him. He's up there standing next to the father, like giving him a round of applause, like way to go. Do we just have it backwards that we just put so much emphasis on being alive on this earth? Is that the case here? Is that why? Bars. Well, is that why you feel snaps? (laughs) Right. You feel bad for Steven. Like, why do you have to die? His family's now, whatever they don't have their husband and dad anymore. And he's gone. He did a great thing. Great. He gets immortalized. But why does God work like that? Because look what happened after. There you go. There's the answer. What are the answers? Is that right? Well, yeah. I think Nicole was hitting on it earlier when you were talking about comfort. Mm-hmm. Like we want to be comfortable and we want God to protect our comfort. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, earlier in Acts, they were rejoicing when they were getting beat. And like what a joy it is to die for the Lord. That is the opposite. be welcomed into his 
kingdom. Yeah. So I think it's another way that us as what, you know, Christians, um, do not view God and what it means to follow God correctly. Um, for sure. Mm. I think the way that we, we began, I began to apply it in the sermon is also, I think that we don't know how to grieve and mourn, um, and suffer well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We stuff it, we bury it, we ignore it, you know, all of those things. Um, and that's not what the scriptures teach. That's not how, um, we're transformed and that's not how we resist evil. Yeah. I, I've been a Christian my whole life and not once have I ever felt like a martyr, like the people around me were just making fun of me for being a Christian mm -hmm. or like putting me down or like I live in a, a religiously free country. Like I can do whatever I want, but there are things, and this is gets to the end of your discussion or of your message about how do we deal with people in their pain? Mm -hmm. um, Cause there is a lot of pain in the world, death. Uh, can you kind of close us out on this episode just talking about those uh things that you encouraged us to do yeah when people are in pain yeah there's four things that, that i take from john swinton a book he wrote called raging with compassion um and it's a phenomenal book the four ways to respond to someone that's hurting and suffering the cries of the innocent and uh, the injustice that people experience uh is first lament uh inviting them or helping them in, in at lament. Um, number two is the need for forgiveness. Number three is, um, intentional, um, care. And the fourth one is showing hospitality. So we can kind of break those down yeah. a little bit specifically, so, but so those are just, the four acts. You just preached on that be, to say that like all of us in a way are going to feel like Stephen was that mm -hmm. we're going to come across these, whether it's being martyred or not. I don't think it, you will. I think you should. Yeah. Feel like Well, it is promised to us when you encounter trials of all kinds, mm -hmm. not if. Yeah. I, well, I do think what Nicole may be getting at is, um, if I'm going to follow Jesus in the way that he has truly called me to, then I will. Mm -hmm. But if I'm following Jesus in a way that, uh, oh, yeah. fulfills just, my no, yeah. just desires or just annoying. Like, yeah. Yeah. We've seen the annoying Christians that, they deserve to get persecuted. <laughs> no, I take that back. Jeffrey. But, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> I do think, Jefferson. I do think some Christians have a chip on their shoulder and say, if I'm getting persecuted, I must be doing something right. But mm -hmm. that's not what you're saying when you're living for Jesus and then persecution comes. Yeah. I think Jesus is a threat. People are opposed to him. Um, the invitation to, deny yourself and to submit to some other person or is just different is not the way that this world is. Um, and so when you begin to invite other people into that, there is going to be opposition and that's okay, but just be aware of it and then know when it happens, how do you go through it in a way that doesn't jade you or break your relationship with God or take you out? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's another book that I almost talked about in the sermon called um, Good News About Injustice. It was written by the guy who started International Justice Mission. Okay. Which is a international organization that 
of mainly lawyers that works with governments and police forces to end uh, trafficking, human trafficking, but it's specifically um, women and children who are being sexually trafficked. That's their main focus. And he just tells story after story of incredible um, testimonies testimonies of these just awful things that mainly men do to women and children. Um, But that part of the response from Christians is, is to engage and to try and put an end to the darkness and resist the evil and, and that there's good news in the midst of the injustice. So, yeah. So I think um, if we are going to take the call of Jesus seriously, we're going to engage we're going to find the darkness. We're going to find the injustice. We're going to go look for the suffering and we're going to try and end it. And there's power systems designed to keep that darkness going. And if we're going to try and dismantle it, then we're going to experience opposition. Yeah. So Nicole, you're the host for the last five minutes of the episode. What do you, what are your questions for Jesse? Um, bring it not really questions, but comments, I guess I highlighted a lot on Sunday, just all the spots where, um, Stephen kind of calls out the Jews about Mm. their hypocrisy and how Jesus hates religion and all that kind of stuff. And it's something that I've been hearing a lot about lately too. Just kind of like Jesus hates religion. He wants you to have a relationship with him instead. Mm. So I feel like if I have a question, what would you say to encourage people to build a relationship and step out of religious things? Uh, I, great question. I don't think people know Jesus very well. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this before. Um, and so I would, whether you're, you call yourself a Christian or not, a deconstructionist or um, something else, I would just simply invite you to get to know Jesus through the Gospels. And mm-hmm. if Jesus is um, the image of God that uh, you would want to follow, then um, then you're then you're going to follow God. What, mm-hmm. What's the one thing that makes you be like, yeah, they don't know Jesus. What, what's the thing that you see done I in the world? I just simply ask the question, tell me, tell me, a, <laughs> tell me a moment in the life of Jesus that you love. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you over and over again, Christians will look me in the eye and say, I can't think of a, a moment, a mm-hmm. passage, which is scary because back in the day it was culturally, um, approved. You, you would be seen more of if you were a Christian. Like, especially in the Bible Belt and all across America, like in the 50s and 60s. Like, yeah, Christianity, yeah, this is a good thing. But now that we're post-Christian nation, if you're just doing, if the only draw you have is for cultural significance or recognition as, oh, I'm a Christian, so you should love me, that's gone. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have Jesus, there's no reason to follow Jesus Mm -hmm. at all. If you don't actually love the person of Jesus. Yeah, I've actually found that people who aren't Christian or share any kind of similar religious beliefs lack a lot of respect towards people who say they're Christian and don't live by that. Like I work in a very non-Christian environment and my coworkers all know that I'm a Christ follower and I'm here on Mondays and Sundays I'm off too for church and they respect that and they step up to defend me when mm-hmm. some stranger starts trying to argue with me about religion and stuff. And that's something I never saw growing up because <clears throat> I wasn't living, I wasn't walking with Jesus mm-hmm. in high school. And now that I am, people see that and they respect that and they'll defend me even when they don't believe in it. This will get personal, but you are going to uh, youth group here at, here at the church. Mm-hmm. 
And you would categorize yourself as not walking with Christ or are you just at another, another level? Um, I, I guess I'd say another level mm-hmm. definitely, but, um, I did experience a lot of, I don't want to say persecution just cause that's a big word and in, intense, but like in high school I would have my teachers call me out and make fun of me in class cause I was a Christian and nobody would step up and defend me. So I would just like be sitting there <laughs> crying and, um, just go home and cry about it again. So like now, like being in a position where non-Christians are defending me, I think it's such a cool, I don't know, transition. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, Jesse, there's, this is a long passage. Did you say everything you wanted to say about it on Sunday? Yeah, I think I think just in closing, uh, I think Stephen could be a great model, an example of what it means to live a life of purpose and significance, even though it was cut short. But he just lived for what mattered. Like what mattered most mm-hmm. was what drove him, even though it ended his life short. And so I think um, all people who want to call themselves a Christian should have a similar level of importance and value of the the most important thing is the kingdom of god and people knowing jesus and i'm and and um and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth and if we aren't then how much are we following jesus so Mm. so good all right guys uh let's say this is like your first time hearing or going through acts like you're a new christian you came to church there's some character in this story that is gonna come back in the rest of Acts. Does anybody know who it is? Who's the character, Nicole, that was at the stoning of Stephen? Have you heard this? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, stay tuned. It's a little guy named Saul. Oh. Who apparently was holding everybody's jackets or tunics while they were stoning Stephen. Then he turns around and writes the rest of the Bible. So stay tuned, everybody. Oh, the plot thickens. Uh, he doesn't come in till when in Acts. I think it's chapter eight or nine. Oh, so nine. it's coming up. Next. Yeah, coming soon. Co- coming yeah, it soon. says it. Saul's conversion. Oh, nine. here we go. Spoiler alert. Okay, so if no other reason than for that, get your butt to church. Hear about this Saul character. Um, okay, cool. Thank you guys for potting with me. You listeners, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, reach out to us, podcast at gracesd.com. Hit up the Instagram reel every Sunday for your questions. Uh, There's a place where you can uh, put them in. But until next week, I'm Jeff Dilla with Deepers and Sunday Podcast. Over and out. Over and out. Bye, y'all.